0: Would you please stand as you are able for the reading of today's New Testament lesson from the book of Mark, chapter 2, verses 23 through 28. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath, And he said to them, "'Have you never read what David did "'when he and his companions were hungry "'and in need of food? "'He entered the house of God "'when Abiathar was high priest "'and ate the bread of the presence, "'which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. "'And he gave some to his companions. "'And then he said to them, "'The Sabbath was made for humankind.'" and not humankind for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you all. So in our
1: second week of the series that we call Critiquing Jesus, and any casual reader of scripture we will come away from reading the gospels understanding that Jesus rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Critiquing Jesus was a national sport for first century Jews. When I was a student at Martin College, a long, long time ago, attendance at the weekly chapel service was mandatory really didn't mind that all that much because the speakers they lined up were frequently pretty interesting. Although whoever chose the hymn for the day was apparently very fond of are you able said the master because we sang that like once a month. Each section of the auditorium had a person assigned whose job it was to take attendance. They were able to do this because they had a a seating chart and we all had an assigned seat. My section leader, we're going to call Gaynell Johnson just in the case you might actually know who this person was. If I told you that Gaynell fit Mark Twain's description of a good person in the worst sense of the word, would you understand me? Gaynell seemed to take satisfaction in marking down the names of students who weren't present. She was the compliance officer. She was the fun police. And her job was to turn over the names of absent students to the dean. It just so happened that my seat was right next to Gaynell, which I took for a sign that God hated me. So skipping chapel was gonna be impossible for me. On the other side of Gaynell sat my good friend, Steve Heath. Steve and I would hold conversations across Gaynell, which annoyed her. Steve and I took a certain amount of pleasure knowing that it annoyed her. One day I arrived at chapel a little bit early and I decided to sit in Gaynell's seat so I could talk to Steve easier. Steve came in and we began a conversation and then Gay Nail came in and she looked at me and she was very displeased. She threatened to turn me into the dean for sitting in her seat, which I took as a declaration of war. So for the next three weeks, I purposefully came to chapel early so I could sit in her seat and force her to sit in mine. The following week, I found a note in my box from the dean that said, please be in my office at two o'clock this afternoon. I walked into his office and there sat Gaynell. The dean said, Mr. Hughes, according to our records, you have been absent from chapel for the past three weeks. I protested saying, no, that's not true. I've been here every week, just ask Gaynell. To which the dean responded, you have both been marked as absent. And then it hit me. By Gaynell's righteous accounting, because we had not been in our assigned seats, she counted us both absent. I stared at her in disbelief and said, "Gaynell, you really do need to get a life. And the Dean responded, that will be quite enough, Mr. Hughes. From now on, please sit in your assigned seat. I think Gaynell is probably in an asylum somewhere today. Interpreting the rules to all the other inmates. I've known people like her my whole life and so have you. They are people who are largely joyless, frequently angry, who live in fear of not being in compliance with the rules. Not only that, but they are usually very concerned whether or not everyone around them are also in compliance with the rules. They are scorekeepers. In this version of morality that has existed, by the way, for generations, let's be honest, it is the church that's largely responsible for setting it up. Because if you asked most people They would probably tell you that what it means to be in good stead with God and with the church consists mostly in compliance with a long list of do's and don'ts. Now hear this. I am not about to stand here in this holy place and try to convince you that there is no place for rules and laws. Of course, we all need a compass by which to plot a course. But I believe that in our day and time, what we need is a new kind of morality, a new spiritual discipline. Let's call it traveling light. A discipline that is based more on imagination than on regulation. A discipline that is based on relationships rather than a shifting set of do's and don'ts. Is it any wonder that our young people question the morality of our generation, of our decision makers. Too many elected officials who believe as if the laws they pass don't apply to them. Too many CEOs of huge corporations that commit unconscionable acts of greed and then escape with a golden parachute. Too many religious leaders, priests and pastors who prey on the most vulnerable among them. Is it any wonder that our young ones look at us from a distance and say, no, thank you. Some years ago, I clipped out a, a cartoon out of the New Yorker magazine. In this cartoon, a minister was talking with the father of a boy who had been stealing pencils at school from his own son. The minister waxed eloquent about how important it was for us grown-ups to teach right and wrong at an early age. And as he finished scolding this father, the minister said, please understand, it isn't the cost of the pencils that concerns me. It's the principle. Besides, I can get all the pencils I need from the church. It's time for a new kind of spiritual discipline. One based on imagination, not regulation. A spiritual discipline that allows us to enter into any given situation with an open heart and an open mind so that we can create the proper moral response for that moment, for that situation, rather than rushing in with a preconceived idea of what ought to be. A spiritual discipline that invites us to lean into a moment and deal with the person who's right in front of us. Not the idea of a person, but the person. In today's story from the Gospel of Mark, Jesus comes under fire from the Pharisees. He and the disciples are plucking grain to eat on the Sabbath. Look, the Pharisees said, he's doing what is unlawful to do. Now, before you jump up and down on these bad Pharisees, let me remind you that there were three things that separated the Jews from everybody else. There was circumcision, there were the dietary laws, the kosher laws, and there was Sabbath. The Jews' very identity was predicated on Sabbath observance. And besides, don't forget, Sabbath was God's idea, not theirs. So, when they saw Jesus doing something that they believed profaned the Sabbath, they rose up to protect God's honor. But defending the Sabbath wasn't the problem. The problem was forgetting why the Sabbath was instituted to begin with. The Sabbath was made for people, Jesus said, not the other way around. You've become scorekeepers. He virtually says to them, You've become the new compliance officers. You forgot to deal with the person standing right in front of you. If that person is hungry, it isn't an affront to God to feed her, no matter what day of the week it is. Truly moral people, I believe, travel light, they don't carry around an 800 pound list of regulations. They deal with the one who is right in front of them. And then they make a moral decision based on the love and grace of God. A one size fits all morality simply won't do in our day and time anymore. It's exactly this spiritual discipline that we saw in Jesus over and over and over. You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, love those who hurt you. A woman caught in the act of adultery, dragged to the city center in order to be stoned, quite possibly to death. That was the law. But Jesus stepped between her and the crowd and said, fine, go ahead. As long as you can demonstrate that you've never messed up. That's traveling light. A couple of weeks ago, Davis preached a terrific sermon on the prodigal son and a father who would have been within his legal rights to have the prodigal executed for bringing such disgrace upon the family. Instead, this father runs to greet, runs to hold him, runs to forgive him. I dare say his neighbors might have thought this father had lost his mind. But that didn't matter to a father who believed in an ethic of love and who traveled light. Terry and I had an extended trip to Europe some several years ago. We had both done some traveling, but we were going to be gone for nearly a month. That was different. And dear Lord, did we ever overpack! two large suitcases, two carry-ons, two backpacks. Nobody bothered to tell us that most of the airports and subways in Europe don't have escalators, just stairs, lots and lots and lots of them. Sometimes three or four stories worth of stairs. And when it came time to climb them, I would get the two big suitcases, she'd lug the two carry-ons and up we went. The truth is, it was exhausting and it was the most miserable part of our journey. All of that stuff was not necessary. And not long after we got back, I ran into a young woman who had been a part of one of my congregations who had just graduated from college and she had just come back from two months in Europe. And I said, how'd you manage that? She said, I only took a backpack. I only needed three outfits. I slept in the train between cities. If I needed more socks and underwear, I just threw the old ones out and bought new ones. It was easy. That entire concept was foreign to me, but it did serve as a sort of parable. You and I carry around way too much moral baggage. We have a strange affinity for scorekeeping And that makes our journey burdensome. Truly moral people travel light. They live under the Jesus ethic. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's traveling light. And if you need to, you can always buy extra socks and underwear on the way. All this is in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.